0: This morning we're going to be unpacking James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18 together. So I want to first invite you to turn there and tell you if you don't have a Bible with you, we'd love for you to take one of the Bibles that we've provided at the middle of each aisle. Just flag somebody down who's sitting on the end and be happy to pass one to you. Take it with you. We'd love for you to have it Uh, and love to talk to you about what you're you're going to hear today and what you can read there on your own um, if you're able to take that with you. Uh, We are... We are moving through a series on wisdom all year. James is a letter that's all about wisdom. When you think of wisdom, I wonder who you think of. When you think of wisdom, we think of someone who's wise, I wonder who you think of. Maybe somebody who's old. Maybe, uh, maybe someone who's learned. Maybe somebody sitting in a smoky, book-filled room the tweed jacket, a long gray beard, some tortoise shell glasses, and a vintage pipe. Maybe you think about somebody who's trained, a professional counselor perhaps, somebody with wisdom that's confirmed by the things hanging on their wall, by the degrees, by the awards of excellence, by the licenses from this, that, and the other agency. Maybe you think about someone who's successful, who's sort of been down that road and made it work, uh, a good to great style guru, who for a small fee, the purchase of a book, a subscription to a podcast, can take you where he's gone. Confidence, knowledge, success, is that what you think of? That's certainly how folks in the ancient world would have thought about the wise. It's exactly what they would have associated with wisdom. James is a letter written in Greek to people who would have spoken Greek and would have been shaped in their their whole lives from birth to however old they were when they read this letter by a, a Greek culture that celebrated the wise. And that's what makes James's portrait of wisdom here sound so surprising. We think of the wise, we're probably thinking of the successful, those with knowledge, those with confidence. But in, in chapter 3, James asks this question, who is wise among you? And James' answer is that the wise show their wisdom in meekness. Another way to put it, in humility. Humility. James wants us to, th- to think, who is wise? And then to answer, the humble. The humble are wise. Why? Why is it that meekness and humility are the marks of wisdom? That's our question for this morning. We're going to answer it in three steps. I want to begin by reading James' words to us this morning. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word while I do that. I'm going to read uh, verses 13 to 18. Notice verse 13, he asks the question, gives an answer, then unpacks it. In verses 14 and following. Here's the word of the Lord this morning Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. There's the phrase. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast. and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is God's word. You can be seated. Three steps to answer our question this morning. Why is it that wisdom, according to James, shows up in meekness or humility? Here's the first reason, the first answer that James gives us it's because the wise know that wisdom is a gift and not an accomplishment wisdom shows up in meekness because the wise the truly wise they know that wisdom is a gift and not an accomplishment I think it might help here if, if we take one step back and remind you guys especially for those of you maybe who are here for the first time today when the Bible talks about wisdom it does so in a really consistent way All across the the, the different parts of the Bible we've looked at this year together. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job and now James. Wisdom, what the Bible means by it, is, is really consistently described. Wisdom is kind of like a compass for navigating life. It's a skill for doing life well. It's not a law. It's not a script that you follow. In fact, wisdom is what you need when there is no script. Wisdom is what you need when you get into real nitty-gritty life situations that aren't scripted for you by God's Word or by the expectations of your culture or, or whatever else. It's when you need to know which way to turn, what to do. That's when you need wisdom. And wisdom is this internal operating system that everybody's got. A good one or a bad one, but everybody's got one. A sense for how to interact with the world. That's wisdom. And in this passage, James is contrasting two forms of wisdom. The Proverbs were really into describing wisdom versus foolishness. James doesn't do wisdom versus foolishness. He does true wisdom versus false wisdom, or in the language of of this passage, wisdom from above versus wisdom from below. Everybody's got a compass. Everybody's got an operating system that's controlling how they interact with the world. The question is, is your wisdom from above or is your wisdom from below? That's the first thing, the first point of contrast that James points us to. And the wise show up in meekness because the wise know the source of their wisdom is God. Wisdom is a gift, not an accomplishment. Most of the attention in verses 14 and 15, where he, where he really makes this point, is on, it, it's, it's negative, it's, it's on false wisdom. It's on those who operate from jealousy. From selfish ambition. He says those people who work from jealousy or selfish ambition. What they have. Is not what comes down from above. Verse 15. But it's earthly. It's unspiritual. Another way to translate that word would be self-focused. And even demonic. I think he points to jealousy because pride is always comparing. Isn't it? You ask the proud person how much they need, how well they want to do, the answer will always be, I want more than that guy. I want to do better than her. Selfish ambition because wisdom, pride in a prideful form of wisdom, always sees wisdom as something to attain. Something to Accomplish a a conquest, even like a trophy that proves we're worthy in the Greek world, especially the, the world in which James is writing, especially viewed wisdom that way. In fact, the Greek, they were the wise, were the Greek rock stars, they made statues out of these guys, they kept their books in print, no small feat in the ancient world, all right? there's no Kindle versions back then. If they wanted to put these books in print and keep them that way, somebody had to take a pen and copy it down, word for word. And we still read books by the Stoics and the Sophists and the Cynics. We still read books by Aristotle and Plato because people thought these guys were heroes. They developed schools around them. They had groupies. They very nearly worshipped them. Wisdom was an attainment or a trophy for these guys. If wisdom is being good at life, then this wisdom from below is aimed at being better at life than other people. At adding another certificate to the wall, if you will. Now, James has said that the wise, the truly wise, those with wisdom from above, they show their wisdom in meekness. in in humility. Why? Because they know that wisdom comes from above. They're aware of its source. Here James is operating, he's writing from the perspective of somebody who knows their Old Testament. For him it would have been, he knew the Bible. That was his scriptures. He was listening to the word of the Lord rather than the world of the, the Greek culture around him. And he knew that Proverbs had said that wisdom, all wisdom, it starts with the fear of the Lord, with recognizing there is somebody who made me, not me. I am not the reason I exist. I can't uphold everything around me. I can't give myself myself the things that I depend upon to survive. Wisdom, the ability to navigate life, if it's going to be there at all for me, it's going to come from above. The fear of the Lord is the start of it. He would have known. He would have known, he would have been operating from a sense that everything depends on God, everything comes from God, and everything is ultimately for God and his glory. So any wisdom I have, not about me, but about him. That's what James had in mind back in chapter 1 when he called on those who lack wisdom to ask of God who gives generously. Generously. That's what he says in James chapter 1. Any of you lack wisdom? Ask of him. He loves to give it to people who depend on him for it. Ask of him and he'll give generously. It's what he had in mind in chapter 1 when he reminded them that every good and perfect gift is from above. Get the language? Same thing he's saying here. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Those who are truly wise are meek and humble because they know their wisdom is a gift, not an accomplishment. Don't hear him say that true wisdom shows up in meekness and think that true wisdom means you aren't confident. That, That true wisdom means you're weak, that you're wavering and not sure what to do. There's confidence and wisdom for sure. But it's not the confidence it's not the strength or confidence of the football team who dominates the competition or the army that destroys its enemies. It's not a confidence that pounds the chest or pads the resume. The confidence that comes from wisdom that comes from above. That comes from the father of lights is the confidence of the child who though weak and defenseless and unable to provide for himself, has never even imagined that his father wouldn't take care of him, wouldn't give him everything that he needs. It's the wisdom, strength, and confidence of the child who has internalized, who has taken in as an operating system the love of his father. The wise are always meek because they know what they've got comes from above. It's a gift. That's answer number one. Why does true wisdom show up in meekness or humility, according to James? Answer number two, the wise know wisdom is for serving others not proving themselves shows up in meekness towards other people or humility towards other people because the wise know god has given them what he's given them not for themselves not to prove themselves but to serve other people i think this is the biggest emphasis that james has in this text it's where he spends most of his time he spends most of his time he he alludes to where wisdom comes from that's the source we just talked about from above or from below And he points to where true wisdom leads. We'll get there in a minute. To disorder or to peace. But where he's really drilling down, because it's where it shows up in our lives, is how you can recognize it when you see it. What are the characteristics of true wisdom? That's what he's doing. That's what he's unpacking for us in verses 16 and 17. You need to see the symptoms. In some way, seeing the characteristics or the symptoms of wisdom is the best way to know where it's coming from and where it's going. Wisdom from below is marked by jealousy and selfish ambition. Did you notice he mentions that twice? This is big on his mind right now. He's about to talk about it even more in the passage we'll consider next week in chapter 4. Apparently this church had some serious division going on where people were at each other competing for something or other in their life together. And he's trying to hammer at it. And he's going to do it several times. He's worried about jealousy and selfish ambition, about people who are looking, basically looking to be worshipped. And the jealousy comes from seeing other people being worshipped and wishing you had their their reputation, their accomplishments. The selfish ambition comes from wanting to do something worthy of worship. That is a wisdom that needs to be greater than others. That needs to be acknowledged for its greatness. It's a wisdom that needs to have others fall in line and take orders. In fact, in the wisdom in the Greek world that James was writing about, one one scholar pointed this direction. It wasn't just about knowing how to live life well. It came. It took on the the word wisdom the way it was used when James was writing it. It took on a, a, a different angle. Specifically, came to me not just skill at living life, but skill at working people, at working circumstances toward your ends. Wisdom became being good at control. As one author put it, wisdom was the ability to manipulate events and people for one's own ends. That's what the wise were good at. Now, look at verse 17 for contrast. Think about the list here in verse 17 as a good prayer guide for yourself and for your friends. This is where true wisdom shows up. Wisdom from above is pure. In other words, it's not stained by the world, it isn't driven by the same ambitions that characterize the world. It doesn't belong to the values and ambitions of, the, of those who are, who are limited by a status obsession of the unspiritual, the self-focused, the earthly. Purity shows up in the next set of, of descriptors. So in peaceableness, if you will, a peace-loving character. In the next two words, unpack what peace-loving looks like, what it involves, what's necessary if you want to be a peace-loving person. Well, you've got to be gentle. Another way for translating that word would be considerate. It points towards understanding other people, thinking of them, taking them into account, trying to understand what it's like to be them, understanding their perspective rather than forcing your own perspective on them. So gentle here or consider it is the opposite of controlling or demanding. Next word takes it in the same direction one step further. Open to reason is how my translation gets at it. Literally the, the phrase is easily persuaded. And that doesn't mean that you're fickle or weak in your in your convictions. What it means is that you're willing to hear people out. You don't assume that you have it right. You don't assume that you know best. Remember from Proverbs, if you were here during that series, the wise were consistently described as people who weren't wise in their own eyes. It's the irony of it, the paradox there. To be wise, you can't think you're wise. You always want to know more. You always want more wisdom. So you're open to reason. People don't see things the same way as you do. You're willing to talk to them about that. You're willing to hear them out. Now, you might be thinking, you might be right in your view, And you might be thinking, as they're describing their view, that this person is crazy. But when you're humble, in other words, when you're truly wise with a wisdom from above, you might be right, and they might be crazy, and you'll still want to hear them out. You'll still want to understand why it makes sense to them. Wisdom from below can't tolerate a situation where somebody else knows best, but wisdom from above has nothing to prove. Anything I've got came as a gift. Anything I've got is for serving these people. i got nothing to prove, nothing to hide, nothing to fear. That's what makes a person peaceable and gentle and open to reason. The person's also going to be full of mercy and good fruits. Now we're, talk, now we're moving from what's going on inside of them, their disposition, to how they interact with other people. The person who's truly wise from above isn't using their wisdom to beat people in the line. They're serving with mercy the people who have needs. James has been already talking about this consistently. He's talked about caring for the widow and the orphan those who had no one else to care for them. He's talked about the importance of not being partial to people who have money or power. When someone walks into your church who doesn't really have anything to offer your life in the eyes of the world, you still go after them, you still invest in them, you still try to help in them and serve them when you're marked by this kind of wisdom. Full of mercy and good fruits. And then impartial and sincere. Those two words put together, they they describe someone who is focused solely on this goal. The goal of describing these earlier characteristics. Helping other people, understanding other people, serving them. This is a person who isn't saying one thing, but really under the surface working another angle. Feigning some sort of concern for a person over here, while really secretly trying to get something from them. A person is sincere and impartial, not drawing distinctions. So, friends, how are we doing so far? The wise know that their wisdom is for serving others, not proving themselves. Think of the major areas where wisdom is needed. Areas where, remember how we described wisdom. You don't have a script, not a law. You've got to figure out what to do in a way that honors God. You've got to acknowledge Him in all your ways where it hasn't been scripted for you. That's where you need wisdom. So think about the areas in life where wisdom is necessary. Think about uh, places where there's no biblical roadmap. Think about how you're parenting your children if you have children. Maybe how you're choosing to school them. Think about what sort of food you put into your body. Think about how you take care of your body. Think about how you spend your money. These are areas, right? right, Let's get going on. What is it for you? These are areas where we have to be wise. It's not scripted for us. We've got to make good decisions based on what we know about God and what honors Him. So think about what those areas are for you. Now imagine how your ideas about these things, your instincts on these things, make you feel Or lead you to interact with people who take different roads from you? Someone who, in an area governed by wisdom, chooses differently. Are you considerate of them? Do you expect the best of them? Imagine that they have good reasons for their choices, just assume that. Is it really important to you that people see how you're doing? What you're doing? And why? And celebrate that. Are you always certain that you're right and unwilling to hear other people out? How do you react when somebody else gets praised? When your insights or ideas go unregarded? So, in biblical terms... Your wisdom might have led you to a choice that is right, that is best, that is good and effective. But if that decision comes tainted by a resentment of the success of others, it's a wisdom from below, even if you're right. if that wisdom can't handle it when it's overlooked by other people, you might be right. It might be better if everyone fell in line behind you. Still a wisdom from below. Because jealousy and selfish ambition have no place among those who know their wisdom is a gift. What about your job the things you do fill up your time during the week what about your marriage what about your instagram account management could you only continue as is by ignoring these verses on jealousy and selfish ambition true wisdom from above wants to serve it wants to be of use. It doesn't want to be the hero. It takes others' views into account. It's willing to be convinced because there's no loss in being shown you were wrong. There's no need to save face, there's only the need to serve. True wisdom from above doesn't want to control other people, but to help other people, to show mercy to other people, not to shame them. Wisdom, true wisdom, wisdom from above is never a club that you use to beat people into line. It's not a badge of honor that demands celebration or worship. It is always a gift, always given as a stewardship, always given for service of others. That's wisdom from above. And that's why wisdom shows up, true wisdom, in meekness or humility. And here's the last answer. Why does true wisdom, wisdom from above, show up in meekness or humility? Because the wise know wisdom is for making peace, not winning battles. In other words... Here we get to the results. We talked about the source of wisdom. It's either from above or below. We've talked about the characteristics of it. It's either going to be peaceable and open to reason and considerate and full of mercy. Or it's going to be selfish. Selfish ambition. Jealousy. Envy. Now we're talking about where it lands. Where it ends. So there's a big contrast here. Wisdom from below. That ends in disorder and every vile practice. Did you see that? Verse 16. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder. Contrast that to verse 18. Where you've got this set of characteristics in a person, the result is peace. The whole thing builds to verse 18. There is a harvest of righteousness, a life that honors and pleases God when it's planted in the soil of peace. Peace is everything for a community that honors God. And wisdom always serves peace and unity, never disorder. So in other words, wisdom has always got, true wisdom has always got to be measured by its outcomes. By what it leads to, not just by how someone describes their desires. Think about someone like Osama bin Laden, who was very effective, and in some senses you could probably say, Wise as a leader of men, a great motivator, but pure evil in ambition. To take it to a more relatable place, perhaps, uh, in a couple weeks, maybe this week, actually, I don't remember. Uh, The Steve Jobs movie hits the theaters. I'm really excited about it. I read the uh, Walter Isaacson biography of Steve Jobs. Fascinating. Probably because I'm an Apple fanboy, admittedly. I love their their stuff. I'm in awe of their stuff, more often than not. But probably just because it is an incredible character study of this guy, whose wisdom, if it's defined as knowing how to make good decisions, as having an instinct for success, good leadership, able to rally people to a vision that was unique and innovative, then Jobs is is the business world's Exhibit A of what wisdom looks like. But the focus of that book, and I think the movie too, is on the effects of his professional life on his home life, on his friends, his family, his daughter in particular. His wisdom, such as it was, made him very difficult to live with. And whether or not wisdom comes from above or from below has to be measured in light of what it leads to. And James says, those who are marked by wisdom from above are always making peace. Here's another way to put it. True wisdom from above always leads to better relationships and community. Wisdom makes a person easier to live with, not harder. Wisdom doesn't berate or ostracize those who don't get it. Wisdom is never just about being right or about knowing what's best, but about cultivating peace and blessing. And the wise are meek or humble because they know that being right matters less oftentimes than being peaceful. That dying to ourselves But what seems best to us is the path to harmony that honors God. And one of the things you might have noticed here is that James is not telling us how to get there. He's describing wisdom to us, not prescribing a set of behaviors to get there. James does that a lot. James, we've talked about this from the beginning of our study, James doesn't talk much about Jesus, James assumes a shared faith in Jesus and wants to apply it. He wants us to see what our lives would look like if we really believed true things about Jesus. So he refers to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, for example, at the beginning of chapter 2. Assuming that we share Jesus and trying to help us see what it will look like for Jesus to have a shaping effect on how we interact with each other. How we interact with the world. James has told us, one of his practical suggestions already, if we lack this wisdom, what we got to do about it is ask. Any of you lack wisdom, he says in chapter 1? Flip over there, you'll see. Flip over to chapter 1. any of you lack wisdom, look at verse 5. Let him ask God. Who gives generously to all it will never make you ashamed for needing him. There's no reproach from him; it'll be given. So, who among you is wise? James has asked us. I if you. I'm asking you, who among you is wise? Not it. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of the God who gives generously. The God who defines his character on his grace. And his desire to care for those who are desperate enough to know they don't have it on their own. But I think we can say one, I think we can go one step further and still be faithful to what James is telling us here. But one of the ways he gives it. One of the ways God, who gives generously, gives wisdom to those who don't have it. One of the ways he has given it. If we'll see it. Is by coming to us himself. In the person of Jesus. And living a life that demonstrates the meekness. The humility of true wisdom. And dying a death for those who are fools. And sending his spirit. To cultivate wisdom in those who will trust him. Do you want wisdom? Ask of God, but feast on Jesus because part of his answer is already and always ours. Feast on the one who knew and was confident and yet humble in his life, as he knew the will of his Father and came to do it. All of his life, John tells us the Gospel of John over and over again that Jesus got his marching orders. From his father. He lived. To please. His father. He recognized. That he was on the mission. Or the agenda of his father. That he was not. Trying to accomplish anything. On his own. But doing the will of him who sent him. He was meek. And submissive. To the God. That he represented here on earth. Think of him. As he took the path to the cross, the meekness that led him to absorb rejection, reproach, dismissal, even abuse over and over again by those he came to lovingly serve. I think of Mark chapter ten'm reading James here, Mark chapter ten, the Gospel of Mark, some of jesus' closest followers, the people he'd been spending years investing in, getting close to the end of his life, these guys that he's been cultivating, whose character he's been honing, want to know, can we sit at the place of honor when your kingdom is here? Can we be with you right next to you? That's what they've been about the whole time. How must that have felt to this man who'd come to give his life to show what it looks like to live in the humility and meekness of one who trusts God? And it's all about him. And here, two of his closest followers are basically trying to one-up each other. And what does Jesus tell them in Mark chapter 10? He said, don't be like those among the Greeks, the Gentiles, who lorded over one another. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus got despised and rejected for His wisdom, but He was confident because He came from His Father in whom He had absolute trust. So He was gentle towards those who rejected His wisdom. He prayed for those who crucified Him in their ignorance and folly. He washed the feet of the one who would betray Him. He was wise for them in a way because they were fools. He was wise for us. Because we are fools. In fact, as Paul tells it, when he's addressing a church dealing with the same things James' church was dealing with, envy, disunity, bickering, he tells them, look, not just your own interests, but the interests of others. Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind in yourselves Take on this operating system. Have this wisdom. Which was also in Christ Jesus. Who even though he was in the form of God. Even though he actually deserved praise. Emptied himself. He became nothing. He became obedient. Even to the point of death on a cross. Have this mind. This wisdom. In yourselves. And aim at what he aimed at. He did it all, Paul tells us in Ephesians, to make peace by the blood of his cross, to break down the wall of hostility, to make peace between God and those who had rebelled against him, to make peace between people who, in the eyes of the world, have nothing in common and should never be with one another in any context. He came to make friends out of natural enemies. He came to make peace. and We take him on as our operating system, as our compass, as the wisdom that comes from above. And we will want peace because he wants peace and we love him. So James does get us there, doesn't he? Think about this portrait as a mirror for seeing where wisdom is lacking. Think about prayer as your tool or resource for gaining what you lack. And think about Jesus as the guide. And more than a guide, as the Redeemer. Who makes wisdom possible for all those who trust in Him. Father, help us to trust in You. Because we'd rather get what we deserve. We would rather pad our resumes... And pound our chests. We would rather. So often. So many days. So many times. We would rather be praised by others. Than glorified by you in Jesus. So break us. Of our self love. Of the wisdom that is earthly. Unspiritual and demonic. And by your grace and for your glory, give us the wisdom from above that looks like Jesus looks, that wants what Jesus wants, that brings glory to the only Savior who can take fools like us and make us wise. Help us for Jesus' sake, we pray. Amen.